The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Have you ever wondered why so many on the left seem to really hate Israel? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, friends, to our thoroughly Jewish Thursday broadcast here on the Line of Fire. Michael Brown, delighted to be with you. Any Jewish-related question of any kind, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. I'll get to as many as I can a little bit later in the broadcast. But first, our focus is on Israel today. Did you ever notice in the Bible that Luke tells us that that Herod and Pilate, they had been at enmity before. And then when they were both condemning Jesus, both turning Jesus over to crucifixion, that they became friends. Their common union against the Son of God or working against the Son of God brought them together. And you'll often see this spiritual phenomenon where people will join together in a hostile cause. They will join together in an anti-God cause. And, and you can kind of see birds of a feather flocking together in this particular way. So if you will notice, you will see, say, that church denominations that have gone liberal, that have lurched to the left, be it part of the Presbyterian Church or the Methodist Church or the Lutheran Church or parts of the Catholic Church, that as they lurch further left, you will see them always change on three issues. Invariably, you'll see them change on these three issues. Number one, their stance on abortion will change. Now, it could be in different order in which you see this, but you'll always see these three. That originally they were pro-life, originally they esteemed life in the womb, they were against abortion. They shift it and they become not just accepting of abortion, but very strong advocates of a woman's right to abort her baby. And of course, they're saying this is in her best interest and, and this is the right Christian side to be on. That's the, rational, uh, the rationalization of that. But you'll always see that shift in that direction. You'll also see the same thing when it comes to homosexuality, LGBTQ activist issues. You'll always see that same shift that whereas originally the denomination or the Christian organization opposed redefining marriage, opposed homosexual relationships, opposed transgender activism, if it was around at that time, that it'll shift, not just to accepting, but becoming very strongly activist, supporting, ally, again, saying this is the Christian thing, this is supporting, affirming people. And then you'll see shift on Israel, where there is once more sympathy for the modern state of Israel and recognition of Israel's right to defend itself and exist, that the narrative shifts and it ends up that they are much more now aggressively pro-Palestinian to the point of even demonizing Israel. Now, from a natural viewpoint, you could say, well, there's kind of like the, the siding with the underdog here, that, you know, the women don't have all, you know, rights, and, and what if it was men being raped and they had to carry babies and conceive and so on, and so it's standing with the women, it's, it's standing with the oppressed minority, rejected minority, LGBTQ, and it's standing with uh, the, the Palestinians who are the underdogs. You can understand on a certain level the mentality. 
But there's no question that there's a deeper spiritual reality, which is that the plain sense of Scripture and the authority of Scripture is being rejected and humanistic ideas and in in ways even demonic ideas are being embraced. That's why you see this so consistently. And that's why you'll see Hollywood, in terms of its most liberal and worldly people, Hollywood will always join in in the same way, the same threefold cord that's not easily broken, pro-abortion, pro-LGBT, pro-Palestinian. Now, we should care about every human being. We should care about a 15-year-old girl who's raped and is now terrified to find out she's pregnant. We should care deeply about her situation, but find a better alternative than abortion. We should care deeply for those who identify as LGBTQ, but children that God has a better way. And we should care deeply for, for Palestinians who are suffering and look for a just solution for all in the Middle East. But again, what we must recognize is when you throw out the standards of God, when you throw out the authority of the word of God, you end up always shifting in these three areas. It is, it is inevitable. So here is no surprise now as Israel is defending itself against unprovoked Hamas rockets. Yes, there were some disputes going on within Israel. There were some disputes going on within Jerusalem. Yes, and, and, and one major issue was going to the courts, and we didn't know which way the Supreme Court was going to rule on this. It could have been very much pro-Palestinian, etc., pro-Arab. But either way, Hamas uses this as an opportunity to start attacking Israel, a terrorist organization trying to murder Jews. That's what's going on. Hamas is a terrorist organization wanting to murder Jews and, and, and cut Israel off the map, drive the Jews into the sea. That's the goal. That's what Hamas wants to do. That's what supporters of Hamas ultimately want to see happen. <clears throat> Israel defends itself, and for that is getting blasted. And now you've got people on left from Bernie Sanders, one of the most left, yeah, Jewish, but one of the most left-leaning men in Congress, and, and most socialist, and most pro-abortion, and pro-LGBTQ activism, and all that. Is there any surprise that he, he wants funding to Israel to stop? Here, so look at some headlines. New York Post, AOC leads 11th hour effort to block U.S. $735 million arms sale to Israel. Is, is that a surprise? One of the most left-leaning, radical, pro-socialist members of the House, AOC, she is fighting against Israel receiving funding from America so it can continue to defend itself. Is that a surprise? Or here, another AOC headline, Jerusalem Post. AOC calls Israel an apartheid state. Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez has been unabashedly critical of Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's policy since joining Congress in 2018. The squad, these gals who are some of the most left-leaning in all of Congress, consistently bashing Israel, consistently demonizing Israel, Rashida Tlaib and, and, and others consistently doing this. Is it a surprise that they're on the same side of these other social issues and so radically pro-abortion, radically pro-LGBTQ activism, and even pushing for socialistic societal answers? Is it any surprise? <clears throat> there, there is a spiritual connection, friends. There's a spiritual connection. Here, let's, let's go a little further. Article on Fox News. Black Lives Matter stands in solidarity with Palestinians, vows to fight for Palestinian liberation. 
The battle between Israel and Hamas militants has killed at least 12 Israelis and 213 Palestinians as of Tuesday. In this headline from yesterday, is, is that a surprise that BLM is strongly pro-Palestinian and anti-Israel? No, not at all. This is ideological and this is spiritual. That This is standing on the wrong side of God, on the wrong side of of righteousness and justice. It's getting things perverted, twisted, turned upside down. I am fully aware of whole Palestinian families who have been killed. I'm I'm fully aware of that, that that bombs have dropped on their homes and whole families have been killed. I've, I've read the names of the families. I've read the editorials in Israel's own left-leaning newspaper, Haaretz, where you have Palestinians writing Israel-bashing editorials. Oh, by the way, you do not have major Palestinian publications, either in the West Bank or in Gaza Strip, where you have Israelis or pro-Israel correspondents openly bashing the Palestinian Authority, openly bashing Hamas, openly standing with Israel. Oh, no, you don't have, you do that, you die. Whereas in Israel, you can raise those issues. In Israel, you can have these dissenting voices. Yes, God cares about those families. And God cares about those children. And and God cares about every lost life because those are human beings created in his image. And he doesn't look and say, oh, that's good, Palestinian, good, got them, Jew, oh, that's bad. No, no, of course not. The nature of God, he grieves over, over his creation being destroyed and hurt. And he wants to see justice for all. And he wants to see people living side by side. Look, if Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. And, and if, if God ultimately promises peace when human beings submit to him, then you know that's his desire. At the same time, there, there are issues that are right and wrong in the midst of a situation. And there's, there's no denying the fact that, that from the 1930s on, every peace solution that's been offered to the Arab-Palestinian leadership to dwell side by side with the Jewish people in that territory, in the larger land of Israel, what was called Palestine, has been rejected. It's been rejected by the Arab and Palestinian leadership. So the people on a certain level are the victims of, of not Israeli policy, but Palestinian policy. If you bottom line it, that remains the reality. Here, look at this article on Daily Wire. Uh, It is by Ian Hallworth, and he's quoting others. Uh, He said, I support Israel. This is a quote from the article, because the other side would behead me. And he asked the question, why are queers for Palestine ignoring LGBTQ persecution in Gaza and the Muslim world? Isn't this interesting, friends? I'm telling you, there's a spiritual phenomenon going on. Isn't it interesting that if you're a radical feminist, you're welcome in Israel. If you're a gay activist, you feel very at home in Israel. Obviously not in the midst of an ultra-Orthodox Jewish community, but the rest of Israel, you'll feel very at home. Totally at home. Absolutely so. But, but, you, you go over West Bank, Hamas, radical feminist, or worse still, LGBTQ activists, that's it for you. Your life is over. Over, <clears throat> either in prison or you're dead or you're underground. So why is it that you have all this movement, queers for Palestine? It's because there is a spiritual battle and because people end up on the wrong side of the spiritual battle. Ultimately, that's, that's what it comes down to. So one quote from the article saying, I support Israel because the other side would behead me. <clears throat> 
I, I, I want to play a clip for you in a moment. I want to play a clip for you that you won't understand. It's, it's in Hebrew, and there's an Israeli speaking to a Palestinian, so you can hear different accents in their Hebrew. But, uh, but I want to play it for you because I want you to hear what Israel does in an attempt to save Palestinian lives before bombing. In other words, if, if your home is going to be bombed, if your place of business is going to be bombed, if, if you have some intelligence center, it's going to be bombed. You have other people in there who are not terrorists that Israel will do its best to notify you, your family, your coworkers to get out of there before the bombs drop. So we come back. We're going to pick up right there. I want to share a little bit more with you. Then go to the phones. 866-348-7884. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire. Hey, Chris, tell you what we're going to do before we play those clips or look at some tweets. We're going to block somebody on Facebook, you take a screenshot first, as soon as you have a second, Chris. Uh, but we're going to block uh, Sonny Rehan for tweets, uh, for posts like this. Palestine, Pakistan and Turkey attack Israel, kill him, inshallah, meaning Allah willing. Israel country, terriest of all, I imagine that meant scariest. Yeah, uh, some more. Israel military dogs, Israel president, dog, all world. Pakistan President Amran Khan, full support, Palestine, inshallah, Israel, kill him. Uh, so anyway, those are the types of comments that will get you removed. Those are the types of comments that will get you blocked, calling for, for different countries to kill Israelis and spreading lies about Israel. By the way, if you were posting things calling on Israel to wipe out, wipe out the dog Palestinians, you'd get blocked as well just to let you know. But this is the type of Jew hatred that's out there. This gentleman posting may never have met a Jewish person in his life and may never have read one piece of news about Israel that gives a fair and balanced approach. But growing up in, in a Muslim background or espousing Islamic ideology, that type of hatred is all too common. But just to let you know, when that's on our page, on our social media page, not only will we delete it, but we'll block you. you. You lose the privilege of being able to post or interact with others. So that's just across the board. You're going to call for violence against others. You're going to demonize people groups in those ways. You're gone. Just to let you know that. So <clears throat> over on Twitter, as Nikki Haley, who is our former ambassador to the United Nations and was a great champion of justice for Israel and the region, uh, She's dealing with those on the left posting what they're posting and saying what they're saying about Israel. And again, it'd be one thing if Israel in an unprovoked way started killing Palestinians in the West Bank or if Israel in an unprovoked way started killing those in the Gaza Strip. Remember, Israel on a daily basis for years 
works out ways to get medical supplies into Gaza, to get food supplies into Gaza, whereas so much of the leadership income, the money that comes into Hamas, is used for, for terror infrastructure, not for economic infrastructure, educational infrastructure, but for terror infrastructure. Where do you think the money comes from to build all these complex tunnels under the ground? Where do you think the money comes from to get all these weapons? Where does that money come from? That's money that should have been in, into the, the mouths and lives of the Palestinian people living there. But no, in their mind, it's Israel that's withholding it. In their mind, Israel's the evil. I'm talking about the average person living there. You grow up in that environment. You grow up with, with Hamas-run propaganda. You, 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 you live in difficult circumstances. Who's to blame? Obviously, Israel. That's how you grow up. That's what you think. That's what makes it all the more tragic. So look at what Nikki, Nikki Haley tweeted out. Uh, she said, you're either mistaken responding to the AOCs of this world or intentionally lying. Let's clear this up. Because AOC said the United States should not be rubber stamping weapon sales to the Israeli government as they deploy our resources to target international media outlets, schools, hospitals, humanitarian missions, and civilian sites for bombing. We have a responsibility to protect, protect human rights. So again, in her mind, she's protecting human rights, namely the Palestinians. Nikki Haley responded, you're either mistaken or intentionally lying. Let's clear this up. One, Hamas is using civilians as human shields to hide behind while firing rockets. Two, Israel takes extensive measures to minimize civilian casualties. Three, the media wasn't targeted, talking about the, the large uh, high-rise building that was taken out. A terrorist organization was. So, <clears throat> and there's documentation that AP News was fully aware that Hamas was using the building they were using. And Israel told everybody, get out of there. Everybody get out. Give them well over an hour. Get out. Take your stuff. Get out of there because we're taking this building down. Uh, in fact, let, let's go right to this. I, I want to play this clip for you. This was, it was, this was posted on other world news. So not by the Israelis themselves, but, but posted in, in other world news. And it's, it claims to be, and I haven't seen anything refuting this, it claims to be the interaction by phone is Israel. They have different methods of warning people that bombs are coming. One is if they call the homes. Uh, another is they drop leaflets. Another is they do what's called tapping. So they're going to they're gonna bomb this, this house or this building that they, they drop these uh, non-explosive bombs on it. So you hear the, the smash on top of your roof telling you to get out. So these are known ways that they do their best to t the thing. Who else does this? Get out of there because we're about to blow this place up. Who does that with their, with their enemies, with those trying to kill them? So let's listen first, and then I'm going to read the transcript of what actually happened. All right, so what's, what's the actual transcript? What was going on there? And that was a, 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 a Arabian Sky News. So let me, let me read this through with you. The actual transcript 
of of that dialogue there. Okay, so here we go. Um, the the Palestinian tells the IDF soldier, this is on the phone, I can't get all the people out. I need at least two hours to get them out. Soldier responds, listen, we're going to bomb the building. Palestinian, you want to bomb? Bomb whatever you want. Soldier, no, brother. We need to do everything we can so you don't die. Palestinian, we want to die. Soldier, but you have a responsibility for the children's lives. Palestinian, if the children need to die, then they'll die. Soldier, God forbid. God forbid. What? Do you want to die? Palestinian, this is how we reveal your cruelty. I, I don't have the exact source of that, but that conversation seems absolutely credible and real, especially because more dead Palestinians, especially children, women, is a victory for Hamas because it makes Israel look bad in the court of international public opinion. That's the demonic, demented thing we're dealing with. And this is Israel saying we are trying to save your lives before we bomb the place because of terrorist activity. Friends, whose side do you want to be on in a dispute like that? Yes, of course you care for everyone. You want everyone to know the Lord. And where Israel does wrong, you want them to be called out. But let's, let's get things right here in terms of which side <clears throat> is which. All right, we go to the phones. Uh, let's go over to Toledo, Ohio. Dustin, welcome to the line of fire. Hello, Dr. Brown. Thank you for call. You're welcome. Um, I just, uh, as far as the information that's presented, I mean, I'm, I'm with you as far as the violence is concerned on both sides. I, uh, I abhor it. You know, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I believe that we should all strive for peace. And obviously, um, that's not happening right now. My real with the information that you're presenting today uh, has to do with the way that it's being presented, not with, you know, so much the substance of the argument itself. I think that by coming out saying that this side is leftist, and, um, you know, I, I don't agree with the left on a, as far as their positions are concerned of abortion and homosexuality and all these things. I am a conservative myself. I voted for Trump twice, order of Christian moral values, and I think that's why the issue in Israel is so troubling and unsettling to me. Uh, the issue at hand that I really don't feel like is being addressed here is the violence itself. You know, I know that Israel says that they do things to try to alleviate violence, but giving somebody 10-minute warning to evacuate the building before you take it out, uh, I just don't think that that compute. I mean, it's like if you're going to take out a yeah, it, well, uh, Dustin first, but, but, building. but they didn't have, they had hours to get out. They, they had plenty of time. Everybody got out. No, nobody was trapped in the building. Everybody got out. Confirm that. Yeah, yeah. It's no, nobody's arguing that. Everybody got out. They just complained. They, they had at least an hour notice. Here, you're in a building. Okay. You're in a building. You have a, an hour. So high rise building, you take steps, elevators. How long does it take? If there was a fire, you had to evacuate. You get everybody out in 10, 15 minutes, maybe less. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah, they had at least an hour, but everybody got out. Israel, did not. It's, it's no, because no one is claiming. Confirm? Yeah, yeah, Dustin, no one's arguing it. See, this is, this is the problem. In, in other words, we're researching, we're looking at things, we're looking at all the. No, no one was disputing 
that, that innocent people died there. They were just saying, you took out our press building and there was no terrorist activity. You took out the, the, the AP building and the Al Jazeera building. And why did you take out our press building? It's like, because you were sharing a building with known terrorists and you knew it. And there's document, documentation going back to 2014 that this was known. But no, nobody was killed in the building, though. If anyone died, that would be shouted from the rooftops. Why don't you hear that shouted from the rooftops? Because it didn't happen. Israel went out of its way in the midst of being attacked by Hamas terrorists day and night who are trying to slaughter as many Israelis as possible. All they want to do is murder Israelis. That's the goal. The more Jewish kids that die, the more Jewish women that die, the bigger victory for Hamas. And Israel says, you're using this building for intelligence. We're taking it out. But they gave adequate warning, so everybody got out first. You look into it, and it wasn't a 10-minute warning. It was at least an hour, more than enough time. Grab your laptop, whatever you need, get out of there. And if you're sharing a building with terrorists, hey, that's on you. Hey, Dustin, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us on Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. I, I tweeted out something the other day. I just want to read it to you, just a very, very basic summary of, of where we are and looking at the, the situation of Israel and the Palestinians. Let me just scroll down to find it. It's, it's no big revelation, just something very, very simple. And here we go. My summary of Israel today. One, God brought the Jewish people back to the land. Two, Satan wants to wipe them out. Three, we should stand with God and against Satan. Four, we should also care for the Palestinians. And five, above all, both Jews and Muslims need Jesus. Now look, you can have different opinions on exactly what happens within Israel. Understand. And you can think Israel is being fair, unfair. Israel should be more compassionate. The Palestinians need to be peaceful. So I, these are all things we should talk about as believers. You just need to look at the larger issue. God brought the Jewish people back to the land. Satan wants to destroy them. We should stand with God against Satan. That is very, very fundamental. And then in the midst of that, also care for the Palestinians and pray for both Jew and Muslim to find Jesus. All right, 866-34-TRUTH. Any Jewish-related question of any kind, very glad to take it. And with that, we're back to our friend Manny in Brooklyn. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. Hey. Um, I wanted to get to um, a prophecy that's in the New Testament, but before I get to that, um, the last conversation we had, we, we had a little dispute over Isaiah chapter 49, verse 7. Mm -hmm. uh, the nation, whether the nation refers to Israel, as you claimed, or whether it refers to the Gentiles as a whole, like mm -hmm. I claimed. Uh, you said a statement there, and it disturbed me a bit. I mean, I didn't know it at the moment, but you said the nation over there is the nation of Israel. No one argues with that. And I went to Bible BibleHub.com. I checked some of the commentaries, and I found, like, at least four commentators 
people who actually agree with my position. So I don't think it's true that no one would argue that. In fact, people do argue that. Yeah, actually, I was thinking more rabbinic commentators. They may say that the nation, that it's a covenant nation, the question in rabbinic commentaries, and they normally say it's a covenant nation, that Israel is the covenant nation. And then others, Christian commentaries, normally say that that the Messiah is given as a covenant for the nation. But I should have been more specific when I said nobody argues. I meant Jewish commentators. They would see it that Israel is the covenant nation there, uh, and that's how they understand it. Well, if, if that's the case, I guess we should just direct our audience to Safari website and you know see what they see, you know. But uh, I'm I, I just wanted to get that you know cleared. Uh, yeah, but, do you remember uh, Do you remember who the 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 commentators were that that saw things differently? We're on on Bible on Bible Hub. Yep. Uh, Cambridge Cambridge Bible for schools and colleges. Uh, it says by the. Uh, to the abhorred people, people seems to be used in men in general. A German, I'm probably going to mispronounce it, Luther, as in Genesis 20, verse 4, righteous folk. The words despise and abhorred are both particular in form. Uh, is pulpit commentary, uh, you know, whom mankind abhorreth. The term used is goy, which points to Gentiles rather than the Jews. Yeah, so, it's, so what's interesting is that you have Christian commentaries saying that this is referring to the Messiah as the one whom the whole human race abhors, right? But, but, but actually... I don't, know. I don't know about that point. The point we were arguing about is whether the, the word goy there, Messiah of goy, is it talking about the Jews or is it talking about the Gentiles? Right, right. Okay, but hang on. I just, just want to look at one more sure. thing here in terms of our conversation. Um, uh, okay, sir... Uh, abhorred by the nation. In my mind, just now, so you, you could be correct, I could be remembering wrongly. Uh, I thought we were talking about the phrase that, that he would be a covenant of the people, or for a covenant yes, of the people, yes, that's, that's and that true. the people there we were talking about was Israel. That, that's why I thought we were saying there was no argument on that. Either the rabbinic commentaries say that Israel is the covenant nation, and Christian commentaries say that, that he is a covenant for the nation, of Israel, I, th- I thought that's what our debate was not about Goy, because Goy could be uh, well, a- any number of things. I thought it was you, about Am. Um. Yeah, but if, if you, I think the last time we spoke was uh, I think. Uh, I thought it was uh, verse April, eight, April, covenant, yeah. covenant for the people. I thought that's what we were debating, and does it well, mean think... a covenant people or? Uh, yes, yeah, so so there's two no, possibilities. Either we're talking about two I'm different sorry. things, or I, 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 think, I think we're a little off off track. I mean, but. I mean, I, I really don't want to go too deep into it, but I just want to get the, if, if you want to, I think. No, 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 that's so. fine. For the benefit of those tuning in, think of what are you two guys talking about? Yeah, there are one of two choices. Yeah. One is that I'm talking verse eight, you're talking verse seven, or two, that I, that I, I wasn't careful in what I stated. One of those two. So well, we'll, if, if anyone, if anyone wants to check it up. Last yeah, time yeah go back. Yeah, sure. Was, you got April, it. April, April the 15th, and it should be like 20 minutes into the into the tape or to the show. Thank, thanks for taking good notes. Uh, yeah, so go ahead. So today we go to the New Testament, Matthew um, 16. Yeah, and like, you know, this is Matthew 16. I'm sure you've heard of this, you know, before. Uh, you know, Jesus, you know, tells his disciples that he's going to have to suffer. And then, uh, what's it called, Peter rebukes him for it. And then he, in turn, he rebuked Peter. Yeah. And he says, basically, you know, like those who, you know, if you if you don't give your life up, you know, you'll lose it. In the future, I think he means that. In the, in the end, you know, at the world to come, you're going to lose it. I mean, I could be wrong on that, but 
He says at verse 27, For the Son of Man is coming with his angels and glory in his, of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what he has done. Mm-hmm. Now, this sounds to me talking about the end times, the final judgment. And then he says, Truly I tell unto you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And, you know, the Son of Man coming in his kingdom also, in the context, seems to be talking about the second coming, what Christians would call. Yeah. So I find that here as a prophecy, Jesus saying, you know, there are some who will survive until that time. And mm-hmm. So what's the, ne- what's, what's the next verse? The next verse is in chapter 17, verse 1. Mm-hmm. Six days later, Jesus took him and Peter and James and brother John and led them to a high mountain by themselves. Yep, keep going. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, then he appeared before Moses. Oh, okay, all right, so well. just, all right, so we'll just leave that for the moment. Uh, go over to, to Mark 8, okay? The end of Mark 8 okay. is the identical passage where Jesus talks about the suffering Peter, denies it, etc. That et might take me, that might take okay, me so, some time. To, all right, so, God, so go there. I, I'm there. All right, so that's how Mark 8 ends. Uh, the Son of Man, uh, uh, he, he talks about judgment. If you save your life, you lose it. Then Mark 9, 1, and he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Then Mark 9, 2, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, John, led him up to a mountain by themselves, the exact same account, okay? okay? Then Luke's gospel, we have the identical account in Luke, the ninth chapter, uh, mm-hmm. where the disciples, again, Jesus talks about his suffering and death and everything that's going to come. Uh, and then he says, he says this, verse 27, but I tell you, there is some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Then the next verse, now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James, went uh-huh. on the mountain to pray. It's, so each time that verse about there's some, so first he's talking about the son of God, son of, son of man coming in glory with his angels, which is definitely the end of the age to bring judgment and to reward the righteous. And then he says, there's some standing here that won't die until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom, or they see the kingdom in, in glory. And then each time, the next verse, which is very rare in the Gospels, that they each give the same account in the same order, that the next verse each time says he took them on a mountain, and there he was glorified in front of them. So they get a foretaste of what's going to happen when he returns at the end. So with, a, a week okay. after saying this, it happened. And that's what the Gospel authors are all telling us. Okay, so, I mean, you're trying to make a contextual argument, correct? Well, it's the gospel authors are all telling us the same thing. Jesus says A, and yeah. then A happened. Yeah. Well, well, is there anything the gospel say that are left for the future to fulfill? Obviously, and things come afterwards. You know, like you know, it's not like only only things that have not yet been fulfilled. You know, are are at the last tip of the gospel. But to this point, if we someone had ambiguity in what I meant to say, any time I spoke with you, you know, on on air. It wouldn't be very smart for them to listen to the commercial break and try to, you know, connect the commercial break with with my last statement. I think in this context, the same thing. You should connect the word of Jesus to the previous word, and you shouldn't be connecting it to the next topic, which is six days later, you know, Peter took James, and it's a whole different story. Whatever happened to the exact context, which is Here's the exact, right, here's the, the okay, so number one, if you've ever studied the Gospels, you will see... Just like if you compare Kings and Chronicles or other parallel passages, that normally they don't tell the exact same story in the exact same order. 
if you've ever learned Talmud, which you've obviously done, you know that you could have stories all over the place. You know, the, the death of Rabbi Akiva told like five different ways, in different order. So it's quite okay. remarkable, quite remarkable and exceptional that each of the Gospels has the exact same teaching and immediately after that, the exact same event taking place. So that's God shouting to us with tremendous clarity, here's what it means. So he says, some of you, there's some standing here, you're not going to die in, until you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom glory, okay? And then the next event, there's no commercial break, all right? There's no commercial break. It's the next thing that happens in the narrative. You're just reading. It so happens that the later chapter division has divides it in Matthew, but Mark and Luke, it doesn't. You just keep reading, and the next thing that happens, he's glorified in front of them. They get a foretaste, just as he said, and it happens a week later, depending on how you count, six days, eight days, after six days or on the eighth day. So it's, what, what, what else do you, what, what you want God to do to, say, you know, to tell you this is what well, I was referring to? Well, I mean, it's much more easier he could do is actually uh, not, not be as ambiguous as, as he is in this. He might as well just put in a verse thing, and this was the fulfillment of verse 27. Why didn't he just do that? Well, but, that would be like 99. I, I, well, not, but, but, but hang on. Why on earth would you expect the New Testament to be a, a trillion times clearer than the Old Testament, where even the rabbinic commentaries are differing verse after verse after verse about what fulfills what and what means what. I mean, this is one of my issues, an ethical issue with the counter-missionary mentality, which is it uses unequal weights and measures. If, if you wanted to require this of the Tanakh, you'd sink it in like a second. You'd sink it like instantly. By the way, there's some interpreters that believe that coming in power was when he came to judge Jerusalem in the year 70. It's not my own view, but some view it like that like the Lord coming in power in the Old Testament when he came to judge Israel. Stay there one more moment, though. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome to Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. So, M Manny, just, just real quick, and then God willing, we'll talk again in a few weeks. First, use equal weights and measures. You know, throughout the Tanakh, there are prophecies and debate. Did it come to pass then? What does it refer to? You have something like Psalm 2, and rabbinic commentaries say it's about David and the Messiah. Psalm 22 is about David, it's about Israel through history, even, even just interpretation of a simple psalm. But uh, debate about, you know, you've got one thing, the Targum says this is about the Messiah, other rabbinic commentators say it's about Israel, or, and then the context doesn't tell you either way. So for you to want the New Testament to now do this where it says, okay, here's the fulfillment for you, whereas it's telling you, he said this, and then this happens next. What could be clearer? And again, go do a little study, go through all the Gospels, see how many times it gives you the same event Right, so in this case, Jesus telling his disciples how he's going to be, uh, how he's going to be rejected and killed, and then rise on the third day. That event of teaching followed by the transfiguration. See where you have something like that happening. Here's an event, 
And here's another, and, and you've got them back to back just like this, teaching of it. You'll find it extremely rare or mainly only here that Matthew, Mark, Luke all do the same thing. So the message is clear. There are other interpreters who do believe that it was referring to Jesus coming in the destruction of Jerusalem. That when you look in the Tanakh, you see various times where it speaks of God coming or coming with all, with all of his angels to destroy the nation. And so it was a coming of God in history or the day of the Lord in history. So some interpret it like that, that there were some of those disciples that, that were there in the year 70 when he came in, in kingdom power and brought judgment on Jerusalem. It's not my own view, but, but it's certainly plausible based on Old Testament usage. When Yeshua says, if you save your life, you lose it, what he means is this. If you say, hey, well, if I follow Jesus, people are going to reject me. I might lose my job. My family might turn on me. I might go through this. this. So you know what? I've, I'm going to save my life and not follow him. He said, well, now you've lost it. You've now become a slave to human opinion. You've become a slave to, 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 to survival, uh, and, and you no longer have biblically-based principles. But if you lose your life, if you say, hey, kill me, reject me, hate me, whatever, I'm going to live for God, now you find it. Freedom in that. Hey, thanks as always for the dialogue. Okay, two things then back to the phones. Uh, Israel has just announced an agreement to a ceasefire. Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu was clear saying to America, don't put us under pressure, we have to finish things. We have to take out Hamas's capabilities for a while here. So don't talk to us about ceasefire. I believe President Trump would have much more strongly said to Prime Minister Netanyahu, do what you have to do, we're standing with you. Right now, the Abraham Accords are still standing strong through, the, through all of this. But, in any case, they've agreed to, uh, apparently, a ceasefire. I want to show you one other article, though, that's, that's of interest. and It was on the Times of Israel. You don't, you don't hear about this a lot, so I, I, I wanted you to hear this. Showing friendship, European ministers visit an act of solidarity with Israel. So, the article tells us that German, Czech, and Slovak envoys stressed Israel's right to self-defense as they tore rocket-devastated building in Petach Tikva. It says the foreign ministers of Germany, the Czech Republic, and Slovakia visited Israel Thursday in a show of solidarity as fighting continues with Hamas in the Gaza Strip. They toured sites hit by rockets from Gaza, met ministers, and attended briefings. So Czech Foreign Minister Jakub Kulhanek said after touring a rocket-devastated building in Petah Tifa, quote, I am speechless after I witnessed the destruction and terror that Israel has experienced. Um, others, uh, let's say this, uh, okay, yeah, the Israeli leader Gabi Ashkenazi, who welcomed this group, said, I'd like to thank the German government, which supported Israel from the start of this round of fighting, condemned Hamas terror, and emphasized Israel's right to defend itself and its civilians. He said, this round is not like previous rounds. The Hamas missile attack on Israel broke out because of a brutal attempt by Hamas to strengthen its political position and to take over the Palestinian agenda and the leadership of the Palestinian Authority. This is what this is about, friends. This is Hamas positioning itself as the keepers of Jerusalem, as the fighters for the Palestinian people in its constant battle with the Palestinian Authority. That's what this is about. This is Hamas trying to use a volatile situation within Israel to further its own destructive goals and to get further world opinion against Israel and Palestinian opinion for it. This is what Israel's dealing with. It's, it's not like a husband and wife who love each other 
and are committed to each other in marriage, having a dispute about a decision with which school to send their kid to, which private school. And they really have a strong difference on it. We've got two people that love God, love each other, love their kid. They'll, they'll find a way to work this out or maybe get a, a wise third party to sit down and help them out. But this is very different. This is you're living in a house and this other person does not believe you have a right to live in that house and they're going to try to kill you to take that house. How do you deal with that person? Well, you defend yourself is what you do. You defend yourself. And who, again, are the, the greatest victims? Yeah, the Israelis suffer through this. But who suffers the most? The Palestinian people. The Palestinian people. One reason why I so oppose Hamas and stand with Israel is because I want what's best for the Palestinian people. And getting rid of Hamas, getting in leaders who want what's best, that is key for the good of the Palestinian people. Why do you think some of these other nations now, Qatar, Bahrain, potentially Saudi Arabia, why do you think some of these other nations for the first time are moving ahead with peace accords with Israel? Because they've had it with the Palestinians. They said, you, you don't want, you're not even looking for the betterment of your people. You're not being realistic here. So we care about you as, as fellow Muslims and Arabs, but your, your strategy is not working. It's self-destructive. Just telling you the truth, friends. Just telling you the truth. All right, let's go back to the phones. And we go to Sid in Bestro, Texas. Welcome to the line of fire. Yeah, good afternoon, Dr. Brown. Hello. Uh, my question to you is we just celebrated Shavuot in Jewish calendar. Yep. This, I think this Monday or something like that. Yep. Um, but there's groups out there that are going to be celebrating it just in a couple of days. Mm -hmm. What's what's the difference? I mean, why is this there's an issue, or if there is a, such an issue between the date of Shavuot, you know, and what is the if there's a correct date? Yeah, yeah. So it, uh, it depends on whether you follow the Jewish calendar or the Christian calendar. Uh, so what happened was that in the early church there was a divide between the East and the West called the Quartodecimon controversy. And it, the Jewish calendar is much more fluid because it's a lunar calendar, and then you add in uh, a, a kind of a leap month every few years to balance things out. So things will shift. It, in, in other words, uh, something might be celebrated one year for us. It's, it's early March, and it's mid-March, and it's late March, and it's early April, and it's back to early March. It, it'll shift around more. But the question was in the early church, do they want to have a fixed date this Friday, this Sunday, we celebrate the death of Jesus and his resurrection? Or did they want to go with the Jewish community and, and the 14th of, of Nisan, say, okay, this is now the beginning of the Passover. It might begin on a Monday, a Wednesday, who knows what day, right? And then within that time, we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. And by the time of the Nicene Council under Constantine with some open anti-Semitism, Constantine said, we don't want to be tied in with the Jewish community here. We don't want to have to rely on their dating and, and so on. And, and we, we have this fixed time claiming this is the way it was always done. We have this fixed time where we celebrate it every year. So think of it like this. Oh, what, what, what's the date of, of Christmas every year? 
they say December 25th. Right, December 25th. That could be any day. It could be a Monday or something, whatever, but it's fixed. What's the date of Thanksgiving? Uh, th- yeah, that that floats around. Right, know? so it's the... It's, it's always the, on, like, Thursday or something like that. Right, right. So the last Thursday of, of the month of November, right? So it's going yeah. to vary. So the early church debated, do we want to have it where it flexes more, like Thanksgiving, or it's fixed on a certain date, like Christmas? And they ultimately broke away from the early Jewish way of doing it and said it's on this date. So that's why, as the Jewish calendar varies from year to year, you're going to have a separation. Sometimes you have, you have Christmas, excuse me, you have Passover and Easter celebrated at virtually the same time. It just happens to fall very close on the calendar. And then 50 days later, Pentecost Shavuot. Sometimes you have a gap. It can be a couple of weeks. And that's why the Jewish community is celebrating Passover and Shavuot here and the Christian community is celebrating Easter and Pentecost there, even though it's, it's one of the same things. So my view of what should, we, should be done is that we should do it all in keeping with the Jewish calendar as it all started. And within that, the Friday and Sunday within Passover, we celebrate the Messiah's death and his resurrection. That's, that's how I would do it. And then 50 days later, of course, Shavuot, Pentecost. Hey, friends, if you don't get my emails, we've got some important news updates to send out to you. Please do go to my website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org, and sign up for our emails. We'll show more of my testimony with you, tell, tell you about the three R's that drive our ministry, let you know about special resources. So all at askdrbrown.org. Click to sign up for the emails. Back with you with Q&A tomorrow. Another program powered by The Truth Network.